Hello, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's audio only with me, Date Star. It's been uh, quite a week. Uh, you know, a long weekend, I should say. Um, I took it off, kept a very low profile on social media. I mean, I didn't, I even hardly took any selfies. And I think if you know me, and that's why you're listening to the show, you know I love a good selfie. But, let's get into it. Uh, in my absence, apparently, uh, ABC decided to cancel Roseanne after her, uh, racist tweet, uh, to a former, uh, White House advisor under the Obama administration. And, uh... People are rushing to her side, claiming, you know, hey, more freedom of speech, more freedom of speech is being violated. And I honestly, I don't know what makes me more sad, is that uh, the people who claim, who clung to the, to the First Amendment right, uh, of freedom of speech, as, as it's colloquially known, um, and you know, said that she should have been, you know, that, that this is this is an infringement on her First Amendment rights. But yet, um, a football player kneeling during the national anthem is um, is is unpatriotic. You know, they're they're protesting peacefully and quietly. And, uh, or the same people who thought that Kim Davis, uh, not doing her job because she didn't agree with it, uh, was also, uh, a, a beautiful statement of her First Amendment rights. Now, Roseanne and Kim Davis, both being white women, uh, kind of leads, leads you to think there might be a problem there. Rights for some, but not everyone. Oh, jeez. That's not right. The, uh, but yeah, so Roseanne, oh, who, by the way, is not a saint, all right? She wasn't like America's sweetheart and got blindsided, uh, with this, with this firing. Uh, ABC, yes, they brought her back for the show. Uh, they thought a reboot was great, especially when you look at the, the series, a blue-collar family struggling in the American Midwest. And, you know, to bring it back now as an older, you know, as the family dynamic had changed was a great move. Um, I wasn't even appalled when it was revealed she voted for Trump in the series. I mean, demographically speaking, she was one of the prime character uh, to be bamboozled by Trump uh, because Trump promised... To make America great again, which is what, you know, a poor Midwestern blue-collar family wants. They want to have that, like, you know, nick-at-night lifestyle where, you know, all their bills are paid and they go to work for 40 hours a week, and then when they retire, they get a nice gold watch. And that reality just doesn't exist anymore. And so when someone came and talked about restoring that, uh, narrative, they, you know, they glommed onto it. 
And also, let's not forget that really the Democratic Party kind of ignored a lot of the blue-collared Midwestern Democrats because they just assumed that they were in their pocket and they didn't have to do any work. Um, and so they, you know, they felt hurt. They followed the. They followed uh, what he said. What do you have to lose? Granted, he was talking to black voters, but you know, what do you have to lose? And it turns out it was everything. <laughs> it turns out it was a lot. But um, now, the, what's interesting when they came out of this is again, uh, I don't. Uh, I'm not going to see. You know, it's I. It's a today is actually the day that Joan of Arc was. Um, burned at the stake uh, for heresy and witchcraft, and so um, luckily anybody who um, was a uh, fan of the Roseanne series will not try to draw that parallel, because that parallel is uh, steeped in world history of her being a martyr, um, <laughs> which is also inaccurate. Uh, she was notorious, Roseanne's notoriously hard to work with. Uh, in the original series of Roseanne, she frequently wore, uh, would storm off the set, constantly would berate staff and writers alike, and um, that's what actually spawned an episode uh, within the show um, called That's Our Rosie, wherein Roseanne actually fell asleep, and uh, they did an entire naked-at-night black-and-white send-up where she was uh, more of a domestic... Uh, goddess, but I mean, for all the people who are who are holding tight to that patriotism, and especially to those who also said that you should never kneel in during the anthem. Also, don't forget Roseanne. Uh, for lack of a better word, slaughtered the national anthem on a national stage, screaming it in this off-key wail. And then punctuated the the performance by uh, pantomiming, scratching her uh, genitals, and spitting. Remember? Remember? Uber patriots? Um, but the thing that's hard uh, about that show, the, the thing that people do, the, that some of the people try to bring up to bring some humanity to it... Uh, from her horrible, horrible tweet that was racist and um, unnecessary, and you know, if she she realized it was so stupid, why did she send it in the first place? Tweet um, is that you know it's like, well, what about uh, the you know the DJ? What about uh, Darlene? What about the two Beckys? What about? Uh, John Goodman, what about the, the key grip, the gophers, the lighting, and all the people who are working on the show? Yeah. All the more reason that she should have thought before she acted. Uh, if you, if you're that in charge of something and creating something, you have to think about everyone involved. And if you can't keep, uh, those kind of beliefs hidden, if you felt like you had to express them, then you knew what you were doing. You knew you were you were you were trying to you were trying to be edgy. You were trying to you were trying to stir something up, and it was stupid. It was a mistake. And I hope that uh, every soul that she hurt uh, haunts her for the rest of her life.
There you go. Um, because like, because the ramifications, the butterfly effect, when this little bug went kachoo, it was like you didn't lose just this show and put all those people out of work. Uh, Paramount, CMT, um, all of the channels that were rerunning Roseanne pulled it, pulled, pulled the reruns. Effective immediately. Hulu even removed uh, the series from their library. To cut ties. Now I think uh, it's a hard, that's a hard uh, place to stand. In my opinion. I think uh, when you look at, um, yes, that was a horrible thing she wrote. The new series canceled. Great move, ABC. But the original uh, series, to have it not be available and cut off the residuals for everyone, I mean, that's just a, that's a little harder to take. Because you run into that thing of, you know, like, can what about all the artists who were horrible and musicians who were horrible? You know, can you, do you pull, do you pull their music? Do you shut them down? Um, you know, uh... It's a sticky wicket. I mean, Warner Brothers, um, you know, the Warner Brothers cartoons that I do so love, the Looney Tunes, um, Bugs Bunny and, and the gang, I, uh, I watched a compilation DVD of classic, unedited uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons. And yeah, they're full of Warner Brothers movie references and things, but they also say things um, that by today's standards would not be considered appropriate. Uh, at one point when uh, Yosemite Sam is dressed uh, in a uh, classic Middle Eastern garb, uh, Bugs refers to, he says the phrase, Yoo-hoo, Mr. Arab. Yoo-hoo, Mr. Arab. And it would not be, I mean, we're talking, you know, got a problem with a poo. How about calling a guy an Arab? Also, when he's an old ginger cowboy, <laughs> like there's so many things wrong there, and uh, but minor compared to uh, to Roseanne. But I told you that to tell you this is because Warner Brothers puts a disclaimer at the beginning of the DVD and on the back of the DVD that says you can't act like this stuff didn't happen. You can't cut it out. You can't change it because it's part of what those cartoons were. And you can't you can't whitewash it and pretend it didn't happen. I mean, uh, that's why you know they say that they're for the mature fan. You're looking back for those for a nostalgia grab. You're not. You're like I gotta make sure my kids see this episode. You know, all the cops are Irish. You know, and uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's you know it's a sticky wicket. Can you you can't uh, go back. You know, like pull in the Cosby Show. Uh, I really think that isn't fair to everybody who worked so hard on the Cosby Show. Cosby Show is funny, great, great fam familial advice stuff. I still use today. Just yesterday, I uh, took all of the furniture out of my kids' rooms, and um, my wife and I played numerous characters uh, to teach them what it's like to live in the real world apartments. Of course, I'm lying. That I don't want to move that much furniture. Uh, but really, it's, uh, I think the move was the right move. 
Um, I think the classic series pull is kind of a, it's, it's a judgment call. It's a tough call. It's not mine to make. Um, if I were in the TV business, I think that would be something to struggle with. Because now you're setting a precedent that if anything else unearths about other care about other actors and things, here we start pulling those, you know, um, and uh, you know, like comedians and stop start pulling albums and specials and everything. So it's uh, you know, do we do we let the things that are old sit for posterity, or do we do we try to wipe the slate clean? That's a tough one. It's definitely a think piece for today. Uh, to tie a bow on today's episode, uh, we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk some more about uh, film. Uh, today is the birthday of filmmaker Howard Hawks, born in Goshen, Indiana, in 1896. He's best known for directing westerns such as Red River, Rio Bravo. Uh, but he also made the science fiction movie The Thing, uh, the original Scarface movie back in 1932, and the screwball comedy His Girl Friday in 1940, and the detective movie The Big Sleep. His family moved to Pasadena, California when he was a boy because the climate was better for his mother's asthma, and so he grew up near Hollywood. He had lots of interests as a young man. He drove race cars professionally for four years, studied mechanical engineering, and won the United States Junior Tennis Championship. He served in the Air Service during World War I and then got a job as a screenwriter in Hollywood. One of his first successful movies was Dawn Patrol back in 1930 about fighter pilots. At the time, most movies about flight showed planes doing things they couldn't possibly do in real life. Hawks made his movie as aeronautically accurate as possible. He also wanted his pilots to sound like real people, so he hired actors who could improvise their own dialogue as if they were having real conversations. He was a friend of Ernest Hemingway, and he became known for shooting movies in the same clear and simple way that Hemingway wrote sentences. He almost always shot scenes at eye level because he said, that's the way a man sees it. He never used camera tricks, and he rarely even moved the camera. When asked about his style as a filmmaker, he said, I just aim at the actors. Hawks was a tall man, a gambler, a womanizer, and a drinking buddy of Faulkner. In his spare time, he liked to sail a 60-foot racing sloop called the Seahawk. He hunted with, he hunted with Gary Cooper. He rode motorcycles in the desert with Steve McQueen, and he helped design the racing car that won the Indy 500 in 1936. He discovered the actress Lauren Bacall, who was a model and appeared on the cover of Harper's Bazaar. He said, She was my kind of actress. Slow, sardonic, insolent, leaning against something and sizing you up. So, happy birthday to you, Howard Hawks. So that's going to do it for today's episode, 15 Minutes. And uh, so be sure to check out, uh, well, actually, tonight, uh, if you're listening to this show before you listen to, uh, before you check out The Funniest Guy at Work, uh, tonight we are going to be in the studio recording an um, audio-only version of the show where we will be broadcasting it in audio format as opposed to um, doing it live due to the issues we've been having 
with um, Facebook Live. So, uh, that show will be released on Thursday. In the meantime, this is Nate saying, have a great time, and I'll see you on the internet.